welcome to the Inspired Women Podcast. I'm your host, Megan Hall. And on this podcast, I'm going to connect you with inspirational women who will share their real stories. And we're going to chat about topics that are relevant to women today. We'd love to continue the conversation with you and support you on your life's journey. Just join us in our community. Search Facebook for The Inspired Women Community and request to join. Thank you so much for tuning in to today's podcast. Hey guys, today I'm here with Amanda. So Amanda applied to be part of the podcast, which if you go to inspiredwomenpodcast.com and go, I want to be featured, um, you can apply for it too. And I was super excited she applied uh, because we don't get enough women who have served in the military on this podcast. And it's (laughs) something that I am so fascinated by because as a spouse, I only see this end of it. Like, I don't know what it's like to serve in the military. So Amanda is a military veteran who served in the Air Force for six years as a civil engineer, including a deployment to Afghanistan. She traded in her combat boots for a diaper bag to to stay home with her two boys and follow her husband's military career. So now she's a military spouse. Completely a different thing, man. I'm I'm interested to hear more about that, Um, which currently has them stationed in Southern California, living the dream and making frequent trips to Disneyland. Yes. I haven't been to Disneyland. I've been to Disney Worlds because I used to, to live in Florida. We're going to Disney World this fall. I ran a half marathon in January and I'm running one in November so that I can get the Coast to Coast medal. I love it. I, I don't like running though, but I mean, I know lots of people do. After three miles, I'm like, I hate the world. I'm going to burn everybody down. But I know a lot of people get that runner's high and really enjoy it. So I love that. That's amazing. And I'm sure you guys will like it. I used to live in Florida with my dad and I really enjoyed going. Um, Epcot's great because Epcot has like all the different countries in it. Um, And the food and wine festival. Yes, that too. I like food and wine. It makes me happy. (laughs) Um, So Amanda's blog is Airman to Mom. And we will link that up in the show notes, inspiredwomenpodcast.com. It incorporates stories from her past military life and how she views life through her unique life experiences of both a veteran and military spouse. So Amanda, I'm so excited to have you on because like I said, uh, the military is a man's world, right? Like you don't often, people don't often think when they're thinking military females, but there are quite right. a few females in the military. Um, I recently was talking to a friend of mine who also retired from the Air Force and she was saying like, people don't believe that she's a veteran. Like <laughs> that does happen. I know. I was like, I can't believe that. So tell us a little bit about your military career. What got you into the military? Why'd you stay in for six years? You know, all of that. Okay. Um, Well, I was about to enlist into the Air National Guard, um, mainly because all my friends were joining the Air Force. And I was like, that seems like a good idea. And um, I went to lunch with one of my friends and he was doing this program called ROTC. And I was like, And he said at lunch, he was like, when you're in and I'm in, you're going to have to salute me. And I was like, what? And then he was like, yeah, I'm going to this program where I'm going to go to school. And then when I finish, I'll be an officer. And so I went to the ROTC open house and I was like, this is perfect because I can stay in school and I can try out this military thing and see if I like it. And then um, I ended up loving being an ROTC and then I met my husband through ROTC and 
Yeah, so, um, so then I commissioned, my husband commissioned in 2006 and moved to Al Alamogordo, New Mexico, uh, which is Holloman Air Force Base. And then I still had another year of school left. Um, so during that year, we got married, and then I graduated, and then I met up with him after going to some training. And um, so we started our life together in New Mexico in 2007. Um, and I was a civil engineer, which the civil engineers in the Air Force uh, manage all the base, um, everything that happens on the base, from clogged toilets to building runways. Um, and I started in the environmental section, um, doing like, like oil spill cleanup and other environmental things that were happening on the base. Um, and then I moved over to the Sabre office, which was like quick contracts. And we were building tons of stuff because the F-22 was coming to Holloman. So there was like project after project. And then I found out I was going to deploy on a provincial reconstruction team. Um, I had applied to get my master's at the Air Force Institute of Technology, but I didn't get accepted. And instead, I got to go to Afghanistan. So. <laughs> Um, and while I was at training, my husband had also applied. We had both applied to go to AFIT, um, but he didn't get in and I didn't get in. And we're like, woohoo, we'll come up with a new plan. Um, and while I was at training, they did a follow-up board, and so he got into AFIT. So he moved to Ohio when I was in Afghanistan. Um, but then I was deployed on a PRT um, and what the PRT do, does is they're supposed to connect the local communities with the government and be like the face behind it. So we're supposed to put the like government in the front. And so we help build schools, roads, bridges, uh, government buildings, wells, <laughs> retaining walls, all kind of projects. And our little, um, we were in a, a Kapisa, Afghanistan, which is about the size of Rhode Island. So this little tiny, um, little place and doing all these crazy construction projects and going out inside the wire and meeting with the villagers and um, it was an interesting experience and then I came home and I was planning on getting out of the Air Force because my husband was in Ohio and there weren't any jobs for me there except to work at staff and since I was a lieutenant going to staff seemed impossible but my boss who was also married to a female officer um, they were mill mill. He was able to do magic and he got me to Ohio um, and I stayed in and I moved back to energy. I was doing the energy management for the Air Force. I'm blanking on what command I worked for. Oh, uh, whatever command I worked for. I like seriously can't remember. It's um, mom brain. That's what it is. Yeah. It's mom brain. Material command, the Air Force Material Command, uh, doing the energy management um, for two or so years. And then I got pregnant and had Luke. And when Luke was born, I decided that with Michael being in and me being in, and getting together for, we never actually moved together while we were both in, that it was the time to get out. And so I switched to being a stay-at-home mom and military spouse. Was that a hard decision for you? Um, 
looking back, it was hard, but I think when I made the decision, I had this like dream of what being a military spouse and stay-at-home mom would be like, and then I became that, and I was like, wait, this is not what I signed up for. Um, so I think like when I made the decision, it wasn't really a hard decision, but then when I walked away from my Air Force career and no longer was Captain Huffman, it was just Amanda, then it was like a big... It was really hard. That was really hard. Yeah. What What were you hoping that being a stay-at-home mom and military spouse would be like? I guess what you see on Facebook where, like, everybody's having fun and, like, you do all these things and, like, life is perfect. Your baby sleeps, <laughs> you know? <laughs> um, I don't, I had this, like, made-up reality of what being a stay-at-home mom would be like and then... I became a stay-at-home mom and found out really quickly that it wasn't, yeah, it's not easy, um, it's not boring, but it's, it is lonely and it's really difficult. Yeah, uh, I, I blame the highlight reel of social media on that, yeah. like, everybody makes it look so fun, look, look how cute my baby is, everything's going great, they're not showing you that they just put makeup over the bags, under their eyes, right. and they cried last night because their kid just would not go to sleep, Yeah, and yeah, all of that stuff that I've, I'm on war against the highlight reel right now, I'm like, come on guys, can we be a little transparent here and like actually show people what life is really about especially as moms because trust me I have four of them I <laughs> some days I'm like pulling my hair out right. I'm just like I can't I don't know if I could do another day of this and then other days I'm like this is so beautiful I love my children aren't they fabulous it's just it's insane yeah yes. so what has been the hardest thing for you um, during your transition from the military to being a stay-at-home mom and military spouse when I was in the military and people were like, what would, what do you do? And I, I had this whole thing lined up where I'd like slowly tell them stuff. I'd be like, oh, I'm in the military. And they'd be like, oh, okay, what do you do? And I'd be like, oh, I'm a civil engineer. And then I'd be like, oh, I'm a professional engineer. Oh, I've deployed. And they would just be like, wow, you're so amazing. And then when you become a stay-at-home mom, they're like, oh, what do you do? I'm a stay-at-home mom. Okay. And they just like walk away. Like they don't care about your life or they don't ask anything. And it's like, they're like, oh, you're not important. And so I feel like that was the hardest thing to go from being like, where people were like, wow, you're so amazing. And then they're like, oh, yeah. So you're still even, pretty amazing. <laughs> well, we went, when we went to Disneyland last weekend, we really do go all the time. The person behind us was had an army veteran hat, so I was talking to him about being in the military, and I was like, yeah, I was in for six years, and I deployed, and he was like, okay, and then he was like, I said, my husband's still in, and he was asking him, like, what he did, and da-da-da, and I was like, really? Like, my story's cooler. All he does is work in an office. <laughs> like, I went to Afghanistan. He's never deployed, so it was kind of funny, because I was like, even now, like, it's still that way where they're like, oh, well, whatever you did doesn't really matter. I guess that's what the world tells you. What you did doesn't matter, and, like, it's what you're doing now, so. Do you think it's because you are female that served in the military? Do you think they would have treated you differently if you were a male and was like, oh, yeah, I'm a veteran, and then been like, do you think they would have reacted the same way? Oh, I, I'm sure it's partly because I was a female, because they probably were like, oh, she probably just sat behind a desk all day and didn't, like, do anything. I don't know. 
I do get that feeling that like sometimes just because you're a female. Yeah. The first female I ever met in the military was bartending at uh, Moose Lodge up where I'm from. And I loved bartending. It was my most favorite job. I mean, not compared to, I love what I do now. It's like, I really do. But it was so much fun. I, I could chat with people all day, serve them drinks, make major tips. I loved it. Um, but I, one of the women I worked with, her name was Amanda, her name was Amanda as well. And she was in the army reserves, but deployed several times in the army reserves. And all I can think of is like badass. Like she showed me some pictures with like guns and like missiles. And so I think females in the military, I think badass. So Amanda, you're a badass in my eyes. <laughs> Thank like, you. You did something that I couldn't even imagine doing, uh, I, but I love it because you have a perspective that most military spouses don't have because you actually know what it's like to be in the military. So do you see that as, um, does that cause any problems between you and other military spouses? Um, not that I've noticed so far, mainly people like they ask me like, what does that mean? Because I know a lot of the acronyms and like, my friend was like, my husband said this. And I was like, that doesn't make any sense. Like, using like my military, because he told her that he was, she might have to PCS by herself. And I was like, using words like orders and like, and I was like, that just logically doesn't make any sense. Um, so I'm, I feel more like I've been able to like, be like a voice behind what their husband says especially when they say something that kind of makes them worry and I'm like no calm down your husband's crazy (laughs) he's either not understanding the regs or maybe there's something going on that I don't understand but yeah um, I'm thinking there might have been something going on that she didn't put in because I know plenty of people that have had to PCS by themselves but it's because their husbands were deployed or something like that to where like the only way that you could were able to to get to where they're gonna be is if you go by yourself kids Kids, kids, that's a huge thing, you know, like you want to get there before the kids start school or the kids, exactly, you know, stuff like that. Stuff like that, yes, yes. But it's not normal. (laughs) Yeah. Just the way she was explaining it, I was like, that doesn't make sense. Like, I don't understand, but yeah. I need more of the story, man. Yeah. Tell me. But yeah, I feel like um, that, well, most military spouses don't know that I've served because a lot of people don't, like, I've noticed that with women, we don't talk about, like, what we did before we were moms. We just are like, oh, we're moms, you know, and so I even do it to other women who have, even if they haven't been in the military, they still have had jobs and careers, and I don't even think about, like, who their past life was. So a lot of people don't know unless they've know that I have a blog and I don't go like, Hey, I'm Amanda. I have a blog. Like I wait to get to know them before I do that. And so a lot of people don't know, um, that I'm initially until we're friends that I'm also a military veteran. I think that's, yeah, that's a lack in the mom mentality where we're just talking about our kids, right? We're just like, you know, how are your kids? Like if you're hanging out with other mom friends is like, how are your kids? Whatever. But we don't really say, like, what did you do before? What do you like to do when your kids aren't around? Or what are your interests? And, except if you're around me, because I don't like talking about my kids. I love my kids. They're wonderful children. I love them so much. But I'm not a, a mom mom. I'm not. I um, When I was a stay-at-home mom, I would, it was driving me crazy. Like, it was totally driving me crazy 
And every time I meet somebody who's like, I love being a stay-at-home mom, I'm like, I love you for that. I'm just not built like that. And um, that's when I when I became a beach body coach and then, you know, a couple years later started my business now. Like I feel sane. So I'm kind of a stay-at-home mom. Like I have that one foot in, but then I have my own business. So I'm be able to be present, but I have something keeping me occupied. I'm sure that's kind of how you feel with your blog. Yeah, exactly. What inspired you to start your blog? Uh, I was going crazy being a stay-at-home mom. (laughs) (laughs) And um, I actually started doing a five-minute Friday with Lisa Jo Baker. Um, She doesn't do it anymore. A different lady, Kate Montag, does it. And when my son was like four months old, I was like, if I can spend five minutes writing every week, like that would be a way to like find my sanity. So the five minute Friday, you just have a word and then you write for five minutes and you don't edit it. And um, so that's what started me blogging. Um, and then at the, around the same time, uh, her book, Surprise My Motherhood came out and I got to be on the launch team. And through Five Minute Friday and being on our launch team, I like found the community that is what bloggers have created. And um, I was like, this is really cool. So then I started doing that. And there's been a few times where I've thought about quitting, but something always draws me back in. Why did you think about quitting? Because uh, blogging is hard. It's not like you have an instant audience. And uh, for a long time, I felt like if I was sharing my military veteran experience, I was like not living in the presence. And now I've realized that that's just me sharing my story and my view on life. But I had a lot of like, where I felt like if I wasn't present with like caring about talking about like how wonderful my life is with my kids now and was focusing on the past, um, that I wasn't being a mom in the right way. I don't know if that makes any sense. Oh no, it totally does. I feel like all the time as moms, we think we're screwing this up. Like, <laughs> you know, right now I'm in my bedroom cause that's where I edit pod or record podcasts. Cause I have better sound in here and it doesn't echo. Uh, but my kids are like out there. My oldest daughter's yelling about something. Like I can hear them. And part of me is like, Oh, am I really doing the right thing by holding up in my bedroom and doing this podcast? Should I check on them? The other part of me is like, nah, they'll be fine. Um, so I feel like a lot of times we feel like we're messing up as moms and not being fully present, especially when we're doing something like blogging or, um, having a podcast or running a business or whatever it might be. Right. Um, because we feel like, Oh, I'm taking time away from my kids, you know, or should I be talking about them because I'm a mom, you know, but, um, being a military veteran is part of who you are. Yeah. You know, that is something that, uh, drew me to you when you applied for the podcast is I was like, yeah, I want to get you on and talk about what it's like to, to transition from being in the military to being a stay at home mom now. And the fact that you started a blog to keep, allow you to share your story and give you something to keep you sane. So your children aren't like driving you up the wall. So how old are your kids now? Uh, my oldest is four and my youngest is 19 or so months. <laughs> oh, wow. You got a little tiny one. <laughs> yes. I have little, little babies. Mine are, um, well, the twins turned six, uh, two days oh. after we record this podcast. Um, so months before people actually hear it, like a month before people hear the podcast. Um, and then I have an eight year old and a 14 year old. So like 
I'm like, I don't even have little babies anymore. So I can't even imagine. It's hard to remember what it's like to have babies at home. It really is. Uh, so are you monetizing the blog or is it just a way to build up a community and share your story? What are you doing? What's the purpose of the blog now? I want to monetize it. Um, right now I'm working on building my audience and um, behind the scenes, I'm starting a deployment series in October. I'm doing 31 days of deployments and I have interviews mainly from women who've deployed, which is awesome. Oh, I love um, that. Yeah, I'm really excited about it. And then I've also included um, like four or so, maybe more um, spouses to talk about what it's like to be left behind. And I'm going to make my husband do what it was like to be left behind when I was overseas. Cause I'm really interested to hear like, how do you deal with like the stress and the worry and that sort of thing. Um, so I'm really excited with how it's all coming together and just hearing the different stories of like all the different people and like where they've gone. Cause it's not just Iraq and Afghanistan. There's all these other places people are going and amazing things people are doing. So um, and then I'm also working on a, my deployment. When I was deployed, I wrote letters home, surprisingly, but um, I'm making that into a book. I was hoping to be done at the same time as the deployment series, but writing a book is a lot more work than I expected. So I only had though, to write a chapter, okay? <laughs> only had to write a chapter of the book that I wrote, and that was a lot of work just for it a chapter. Is. It is. It's so much work. And like I have, I thought because I was just editing my like letters that it would be easy, but I figured out I left out a lot of the, I didn't talk about any of danger or I talk, didn't talk a lot about the OPSEC and stuff. So I've been like adding stuff back in that now I can talk about and it's taking a lot longer, but I think it'll be better because I'm spending so much time. I think it's going to be fantastic. I think even if somebody is civilian listening, um, to this, that they should read up on deployments, deployment letters and stuff, not because you have to, but because to understand, you know, when you come across a military spouse, people have all of these misconceptions and stereotypes in their head. A lot of times when I tell people when they're talking to me and I, you know, happen to say that I'm a military spouse, they're like taken aback. Like I'm not the atypical military spouse they think in their head. And I'm like, what, what does that stereotype look like to you? Right. I'm really honestly curious. So you mentioned that you dealt with some danger in Afghanistan. Could you share a little bit about that with us? Um, well, where we were, it was safer in the northern part. And then um, in the southern part, uh, it was a little bit hotter, which means there were more bad people. Um, and we did get in one firefight when we, um, it was actually right near the FOB, that's forward operating base, uh, where we lived. And it was like, you could see um, the, the school we were going to from the FOB. And so uh, we went there and we set up the security perimeter and then we got out and we were about to walk to the school and then they started shooting uh, RPGs and small arms fire at us. So we ran back to the trucks and um, threw smoke to get the security people who were inside the school out. And um, so that was like the most action that we saw. Um, and then where we were in Kapisa, um, there was like, that was kind of like the line of like where the safe, so the north of the FOB was like safe and then south of the FOB was dangerous, which is 
where we were so just south of the fog when we got um, attacked. And so when we would go to the southern part of Kapisa, we could just drive straight down. It would take like 30 minutes in a uh, MRAP. And instead we had to drive to Bagram, down to Kabul, take like the main freeway in Kabul, and then go on this like crazy um, road built into the side of the mountain with like a thousand foot drop on one side and a mountain on the other, wow. and then come back up south of Kabul into um, into the lower part of Kapisa, which is, it was safer because it was close to, Ka to Kabul, uh, which is the capital of Afghanistan. And then we would um, go in there. And there were a few times where like there was intel that they might be either planning to hit us with an IED or attack us, but um, none of that ever came to fruition. One time we were at a place and there was intel that they were getting ready to attack us. And so we are at this little tiny cop, which is a combat outpost, which is smaller than a fob. Like our fob was a mile in diameter. And then the cop was like just this little tiny space of land. It was really small. And um, so we decided to spend the night there instead of going to where we were supposed to sleep with beds. And so we just slept on the edge of the um, helicopter pad, which was fine until the helicopter landed and like dirt flew everywhere. And we, mm. <laughs> so yeah. So, so we didn't see a lot of like danger, but we were always like aware of like the danger that we were in and potential for danger. And we were in a French battle space. Um, Cause it was like a NATO thing. And so the French, often got attacked by the um, Afghans, but when, after we got attacked and we shot back, um, I guess a lot more, we had different like rules of engagement. And so they, the French were an easier target. So the Afghans would often like attack them and just ignore us. So that was, that kind of protected us, so. Wow. So having been somebody who has served overseas, uh, this is something that I'm really curious about. Has it changed your perception of the people in that area? Not the people that were obviously shooting at you, but the actual people that live there. Did it change your perception of them in any way, shape, or form? Um, I guess I didn't really. I guess in a way, yeah, because they're just normal people living their lives, and um, their lives are really hard. And, well, the funny part is they have, like, satellite dishes out of their mud huts and so they're like they have things that you wouldn't expect but then they don't have things you know like food and water that you would think if you have a satellite dish then you probably have food and water um so and I did get a chance to go to a women's shelter at the capital of Kapisa Mamubuda Rocky or something like that and uh, <laughs> um and we met with women who their husbands were addicted to drugs. And mm. so they were in these shelters trying to get protection, but they like, they loved and cared for their, their husbands and their families, but they had to get away. And so I feel like they're struggling with some of the things that like, as Americans, we struggle with um, just in a different way. And so, so yeah, it was, it was really interesting to be immersed into a culture, especially because I didn't just live on the base. I actually went out and met with the Afghan people. And that was like the only time I actually got to talk to women was at the women's shelter because the women usually stay 
farther away. Yeah, they're not really supposed to be talking to other people, right? Yeah. It's part of and, their culture. Yeah. They would only really talk to, like, a woman, but they're not going to talk to an American dressed in combat gear because a lot of them didn't even know if I was a female or a male until you got really close, and they're not going to get close, so. Yeah. And the so. kids were so cute. They would just come up, and we'd always try and give them stickers or pens. And um, one time we were sitting out waiting for a meeting to end, and this one kid was like, I don't know English. And, but he was like our translator. He knew so much stuff and so much information and just like listening to the kids, and they all wanted to see my hair because it was a lot blonder then. And they were just mesmerized, and it was really fun to like hang out with the kids and just like they just – they were so curious and they all just loved America and it was really cool to be around them. I bet it was uh, quite the wake up call in a way because when we're here in the United States and in our little bubble, I like to say, mm -hmm. it, we might have different perceptions of other countries and a lot of people tend to condemn an entire culture for the actions of a few of the culture. Right. Um, that's why I really wanted to know, like, if your perceptions changed in any way. Not that you were condemning them before you went. That's not what I'm getting at. Is right. unless you're there and you actually see like the struggles <clears throat> and what they're going through and um, the sort of things that are happening with them, you can't honestly really be empathetic to them unless you're there. You know, I try right. so hard to. Um, be open-minded and not, but I honestly don't know what some people are going through because I've never been through it myself. Right. You know, I know um, it was pointed out to me by a friend of mine. I was walking to my kid's school and right at the parking lot of the school, this woman's just smoking, 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 smoking. And it's your personal choice if you want to smoke. But like, for me, I was like, that's inappropriate. There's children around, blah, blah, blah. Right. A friend of mine goes, Megan, do you know what it's like to be addicted to something? And I said, no. And she's like, well, how can you judge this woman? Because you don't know what it's like. She's probably got a severe addiction to nicotine and cannot go without that cigarette. Right. And that's why she's toking, like, toking up, not toking up, <laughs> smoking up, lighting up in front of the kid's school. And I said, wow, that's, that's really interesting. And my ex, um, fiance, my middle daughter's father is an addict and he's addicted to drugs and alcohol. And for years and years and years, I would like hate fire from my head to him. And I'm like, now I have to step back and be like, but I, do I know what it's like to be an addict and be stuck in the brain of an addict? I don't like those women that you met. They love their family. They want to be around their family, but for their safety, right? They can't be. So right. that, that makes so much sense. And I'm so glad that you shared that with us so people can see, like, we hear all the bad stuff about, like, Afghanistan, you know, like right. kids with bombs strapped, strapped to themselves and stuff like that, that we don't see that there's really cute, innocent kids that are there and they're just, you know, suffering and women that are suffering and this whole entire uh, culture of people that are suffering because of the a few, a few right. people that are not so great. Wow, that's... Oh, go ahead. And before I deployed, I spent um, four months in Indiana, and a bunch of that time was spent learning about the culture and the people and the history of Afghanistan. So, like, when you learn all that and you realize, like, what happened when Russia came in and invaded Afghanistan and how they're, the Afghans are still dealing with that today and um, just all the different things that are behind, like, why things are happening and 
the way that the culture is because there's different sects and then they drew a line and they're like, this is the country of Afghanistan. And really it's like, there's the Pashtuns and the Pashai and the, you know, all the different people groups are in one place and they're supposed to be Afghans and they're really like different cultures. There's just a line around them that says they're, that's Afghanistan. So. Yeah. So it's like five different countries in yeah. one country pretty much. Yeah. That's, and it's not like America where it was like a melting pot and everybody came, like people were there and then they drew a line and we're like, this is Afghanistan. So it's like a totally different like mindset. And so, wow. And wow. That's why I think unifying the country through like the government in Kabul is like really hard because the person who's the president, they might not be like your same people group and you may not even speak the same language as them. And so, yeah. Wow. I didn't yeah. even know that. Thank you for sharing that with us. I had no idea. Yeah. And, and you wouldn't know unless you were trained to know that because we're just told, we're, we're just told what we hear on the news. Yeah. We hear from other things. And that's one of the things I love about this podcast is we get real women on to share stories that sometimes open our eyes and you're like, holy crap, I had no idea. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> So yeah, I would say my mindset going into like going to Afghanistan was different than when my mindset of like going, like going to training, training kind of prepared me for what was coming and made me more open to the people um, and their struggles. Wow. Now you share this on the blog. Do you ever end up sharing your story with people in person? Uh, not really, because most people don't ask questions. If people ask me questions, I tell them about it. Um, and I did do an interview for my, um, well, not an interview. I did a speaking event, um, with my MOPS group, Mothers of Preschoolers. And I talked about my transition from military to motherhood. And so I like glazed over the deployment, but even then nobody's really asked me about, um, my deployment, but a lot of people do like my deployment section on my blog because they like reading about it. I think yes. it's easier to just read what I have written instead of to come up with questions. Do you ever feel like people are overlooking your time in the military by not asking you and not being interested in finding out more about you? No, because people are always worried about their own lives. I mean, that's normal. So I don't, I don't think that because I served in the military, people should care more about my life than other people's lives. What every, everybody does stuff and it's all important. So it's not because I'm in the military that I'm like better or like my story's more important. I like your attitude about that. I honestly think we all need to be more interested in other people's lives. When people are talking to me about like networking tips or business tips, I'm like, you need to be more interested in the other person than interesting. If right. I'm sitting there having a conversation with somebody and I find out, like I hear something really personal about their lives um, that I may not have otherwise, I did my job. Like I right. got to know them on a level that it's more than the like glaze over of this is what I do and this is who I am. Um, right. you know, that sort of thing. So do you see that being a military spouse for you, do you believe that being a military spouse is easier for you because you understand the ins and outs of the military or harder? Uh, I think there's two sides to the coin. I think it's easier because like I kind of know like 
the behind the scenes, but then I also know the behind the scenes that the military does things that are dumb. And so then it's like, like my husband got home yesterday at like, I don't know, 7.30 or something like that. No, he left the work at 7.30. He got home closer to eight. Um, and he was like, yeah, I had some taskers, which I know what taskers are. They're just some general or some congressman who wants some sort of information. And my husband had to work until 7.30 at night. And so then it's like, I'm not mad at him. I'm mad at the militaries, but um, I don't, I don't think it really changes. Like, I think the more, you know, the harder it is like, you know, so it's not easier for sure. Like being alone when my husband goes TDY or if he ever deploys, it's not going to be easier to be like, Oh, I know because I've deployed like, no, it's still going to be hard, especially with kids because kids change everything. Kids do change everything. They change your entire lives. I swear, deployments and um, moves and, you know, all of that is harder with children. Oh, because yeah. It's easier as an adult without, not that I know what it's like to be an adult without kids because I had my daughter at such a young age. Like, I had her when I was 16, so I don't know what it's like to be an adult without kids. But in my imagination... Um, and I it's have not friends. imagination. It's really a lot easier. <laughs> well, and I have friends who don't have children and who are military spouses. And, you know, they'll talk about things. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, if I had to do that with my kids, it would be awful. Like, the whole world would come to an end and probably blow up. And, oh, yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely different. And do you find it hard to explain to I mean, obviously the 18th month old, you're not explaining a whole lot, but to your four-year-old, like why daddy has to be away. And I mean, obviously not in deployments, but what, like you said, when he's TY or wherever, like, do you, are you able to explain that to him or is he till, still a little too young? Well, for us, it's, he's only been like, it's been like business trips. It, okay. The, when he was, when Luke was um, two months old, Michael left for two months and he stopped sleeping and it was like acting crazy, but he was two months. So it's not like you can explain that to him. Yeah. Um, and since then it's just been like business trips. Um, so I think the hardest thing is next summer we're going to have to move. And when he moved here, we were, he was one. So he didn't really, I mean, I think he noticed a little because we had a new house, but it wasn't like he had friends and he had a routine. And so I think, that's what I'm like most worried about with moving is like saying goodbye and um, that sort of thing. Um, but yeah, so far we haven't had like long stretches of time where he's been gone so far, but there's potential to be gone for like a month and a couple of months. But I think it's kind of, you just related to like a business like job. I feel like people whose husbands travel all the time, that's not uncommon no especially when you we live in LA and people are always traveling and doing stuff like that yeah mine's like oh I'm gonna be going to school and I'm like oh okay cool um at least you won't be gone for six months so that's awesome yeah, <laughs> yeah. like I dealt with my first deployment um last year and it was it was not people try to prepare you for the stuff that you're going to deal with in military life. And I'm sure like you thought going into being a military spouse, I'm prepared. I've already gone through this on the other side of it. Exactly. But it's not the same. No, it's not. It's not. It's, I'm like, Oh, I used to be a single mom. So I know what it's like to have to take care of kids by myself. 
no, I have to worry about somebody that's not me. Um, my kids are losing their crap because their dad's gone. And, and I'm actually having somebody who pays my bills. When I was a single mom, I was working my ass off to right. pay my bills. Way different. So yeah. yes, I completely understand that. And we're going to have to wrap up the podcast. I want to know like, if there's something that you could leave the audience with we have you know all women from all walks of life about what it's like to be in the military um from a female's perspective what would you want them to know um i think that um i'm just a normal person and i think that sometimes when you think like military female you're like oh she's a badass but really i do think you're a badass (laughs) i'm just a normal person and um my commander told me before I left for Afghanistan because he was a little worried about me because I was, I was shy and not out of my shell very much. And he told me um, to jump. It's not that far. And I think that was the best advice he could have ever given me because when I did jump, it really wasn't that far. It wasn't like outside something that I could do. And when I deployed, I was, I was forced out of my comfort zone and um, the things that I did and the memories I had, they were worth being pushed out of my comfort zone. Yeah, I think sometimes we have to to make those really good memories, right? If we stay inside our comfort zone, oh, yeah. it's always the same. <laughs> Especially like as a military spouse, because like every time you move, you have to get out of your comfort zone and make new friends and like find new... I mean, you can stay in your house and not interact with anyone, but that gets lonely pretty quickly. But I mean, you have to find a new grocery store, a new everything. Like that's the hardest part with moving is like you have like all these things that you have to do over again. And yeah. Part of me is excited for the possibility of moving in in the near future in the next couple of years. The other part of me is like, oh my gosh, we've lived, I've lived here personally for like six years. Um, it's a really easy area to stay stationed at because for the Navy, because it's such a huge area for Navy, um, that I'm like, Oh my God, I built up this network here. Like what's going to happen. But I feel like when it comes to being a military spouse and in the military period is, it is a big community, but a small community at the same time. Like exactly, you know that you could move to an area that you very well might know somebody who knows somebody there. Um, and get started that way. Right. And that relationship portion and having friends, like you said, you could stay in your house all you want, but it's not going to be very healthy and you're not going to enjoy yourself. But if you get out and you enjoy the area and you make new friends as scary and nerve wracking as that is, it's also a little exciting. You get to meet yeah, new people. It is. Yeah. Well, Amanda, thank you so much for applying and coming on the podcast. I really appreciate you allowing me to ask all these questions because I'm a very curious person and this is just me by nature. Like I'm the person that will sit there and have dinner with new people and be like, oh yeah? And what about that? And what about that? And they'll be like, oh my gosh, this girl's a weirdo. (laughs) It was really fun. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for tuning into this week's episode of the Inspired Women Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe, share this out with your friends and family, and join us in the Inspire Women community on Facebook. I'll catch you next week.